What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 89 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. Your normal host, Pete and Bessie, has ventured out into the blizzard to find supplies for all of us. So in his <laughs> stead, I'm his ever-present co-host and antagonist, Andy Brown. Joined today, as always, by the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. And I must add, are you sure that Pete does not have a concussion this week? Oh, Pete might have a concussion this week. I don't yeah. know. They're coming back That's with what... a vengeance. That's what we said over on the comics, pals, and uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Pete and Bessie, concussion, <laughs> out, for the, out for two weeks, maybe. Oh, we put Pete in the concussion protocol. <laughs> he's like, as long as he's good so. by the Super Bowl, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Can't miss that. All right, and filling out the ranks of the ever-present video games, pals, we got the edge marquee with a heart of gold. <laughs> Thank Robert you, Robert Thompson. My title is restored. <laughs> I appreciate it. As always, and because it wouldn't be a video game pals episode without four pals, even though we do that all the time, we got a very <laughs> special guest today. We got Ed from the Party Nerds. What's up, in everybody? The house. What's going on? Your boy Ed's here, and um, yeah, hopefully Pete Blizzard concussion. I don't know, man. Like that's not a uh, survivalist mentality. So hopefully he's okay. Well, I know he's on vacation and everything else. So uh, rest up, Pete. Vacation? You're gonna everything's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> Yeah, we hijacked the show, by the way, Pete. <laughs> That's just what he's prone to do. That's true. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to start the show the way we sometimes do and ask, are you guys playing anything cool this week? Um, Mostly Smash, of course. Like, literally, I'm at a job yeah. where, oh. thankfully, we have a break room, and um, Smash Brothers is ever-present, so we bought a community dock. So we literally have a, a, a community <laughs> switch dock in the back room, Everybody, whoever wants to put their switch in, put it in. Plug in four cube remotes with an adapter. Boom, smash all the time. That's incredible. So you haven't been on since Smash came out, and I feel like we have so much to talk about with, regarding the game. So who are you playing? What are your main? So are your my main is Sonic, who was my main from Smash Four, of course. Um, and then my second main, who I'm starting to kind of learn a little bit more, is Inkling. Like, Inkling is so much fun. If used properly, it's insane. Like, I saw Inkling in tournaments recently, and just the, just all the combo ability you can do, especially with the um, throwing bombs, insane. Yeah. Uh, Inkling's scary, and I'm scared of you now. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say this much, regardless of how good I am with any of the characters, the online is still kind of trash. So trying to navigate any of the lag is a nightmare sometimes. So that's my only gripe. I was just about to say we should exchange friend friend codes so we can get a game in. Oh, we but, will uh, we'll do that no matter what. Because I know if you at least have friends who have a steady internet connection, beautiful. Otherwise, randos, okay. it's insane. Oh, yeah. The okay. randos are terrible. Yeah. And then the other game I've been playing also, uh, I did a platinum trophy of the original Spyro from the Reimagined Trilogy. Um, so now I'm going to work on two and three. Nice. Those How games hard still... is it to platinum the first Spyro? It's not hard. Um, just do, if you play like you normally do and try to go for the 100% completion as you did in the PlayStation era, you can kind of get the platinum trophy. There are smaller challenges that make you do kind of random things in the level. Um, like if you do any of the, the flight levels, you have to like randomly flame the angels with the signs. 
um, to get a trophy. <laughs> but otherwise, it's pretty easy. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Sean Thompson, you guys playing anything cool? <sighs> no. Uh, <laughs> honestly, no. I, uh, I've i been playing weird games. I played, uh, well, Smash Brothers is not a weird game. I've been playing that steadily. Uh, I played t- uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Oh, my God. Oh, I that's know that. awesome. Pete and I did a thing on that. That was fun. I have been having a blast. Uh, one of my friends brought it over the other day. And that was really, really fun. And then uh, my girlfriend and I downloaded the demo so that we could play with each other. And as it turns out, if you download the demo, you can do multiplayer uh, to your heart's content uh, versus one-on-one. So I have the game essentially for free, playing the only mode I care to play. <laughs> and it's an absolute blast. Yeah, so. So do you play Puyo Puyo? Do you play Tetris? Or do you do the, the switchbacks? I do Tetris. She does Puyo Puyo. Okay, solid. That's that's yeah. a nice teamwork, you know. Well, I guess it's competition, but it's like it's the match, right? Like I like Tetris more. She likes that other thing. So you know, compromise, meet in the middle, just like all relationships want to do. Right? I don't know if it's meet in the middle if you just call it that other thing. You know, the Tetris and <laughs> well. that other thing. So it's not really a meet in the middle. <laughs> Well, it's a it's an acknowledgement of the fact that she uh, enjoys things differently than I do. Uh, that doesn't mean I need to respect it. It just means that I need to accept it. Right? <laughs> you are enemies in that game, after all. Exactly. So I would be using this space to talk about uh, Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition, except the post office messed up, and my delivery that was supposed to come yesterday has been delayed, and I think it's going to be delayed again because of this snow we're getting in Washington. Oh, man. Yeah. So I was like, I set aside a good chunk of my weekend. I was like, yeah, going to get in some good old JRPG nonsense. And then it just never came through. And I don't know when I'm going to have time to play it now. Um, did you Amazon Prime it at least? I I pre-ordered late because I like made this decision Thursday. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get it. And they was like, yeah, we'll have it on Saturday. And then Saturday came and went and it wasn't there. Wow. And then maybe it shows up today, but... I don't know. On Sunday? Mm-mm. Not happening. <laughs> I get Sunday deliveries sometimes. Yeah, Amazons can do Sunday deliveries. It just depends on what oh, it is. Just, I'm just pessimistic yeah. about the odds of you being <laughs> in the, uh, you know, Sunday and, and snow and just... Uh... Oh, yeah. Like, it's a Sunday. We're supposed to get 6 to 12 inches of snow today. I am not optimistic about this showing up. What a bummer, man. Yeah, it's, it's like a big letdown. But I'll have it, and then when I find time again, I'll, like, Go to town. It'll be a fun time. Very cool. Yeah. So, is, wait, is it the new Tales game? Uh, sort of. It's the new remaster of the Tales game that launched on the Xbox 360 ten years ago. Uh, which one was that? Was that Vesperia? With the V? Yeah. Okay. I think... I think my girlfriend's getting that, too, actually. She has all yeah, the Tales like... games, so I'm pretty sure she's gonna get that one. I love the Tales games, and people talk about this one being the best one, and I never played it, so I'm excited. Hmm. But, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for our uh, Watch Playing segment. Uh, if you want to let us know what you're playing, you can email us at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Uh, if, you know, if you're nice, if you want us to read what you write on the air, we're happy to do it. We love getting listener mail. If you want to follow us on social media, you can check out our sister show at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. 
And if you're listening and you like what we're doing, we'd really appreciate it if you went on your uh, listening app of choice, your Apple Podcasts. You know, we're a five-star podcast over there. We'd really appreciate it if you kept giving us those ratings. Uh, If you're on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe and the notification bell so you get notifications whenever our cool videos go up. And most importantly, if you like what we do, uh, introduce us to your pals so we can be their pals too. As Sean likes to say, it helps us a lot more than it costs you. That's right. And now that I've gotten, I think, all that stuff out of the way, it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about all the right, news! So we got a big old news week this week. And we're going to start off the old-fashioned way with some good old Sony dominance. The best IGN kind. Reported, <laughs> IGN reported this week that the PS4 has sold 91.6 million units worldwide since it, since it launched in wow. 2013. Holy shit, man. <laughs> and 876 games to go along with that. It's a big number. That's a, That's a lot of games. Number. I didn't even think 800 came <clears throat> out. Wow. Yeah. Um, sold 5.6 million this holiday season. Spider-Man, the fastest-selling Sony exclusive in Sony's history, hit 9 million sales between when it came out in September and this week. Holy shit. And yeah. What? It's it's crazy. Like, Spider-Man's been out for three months, and roughly 1% of all PlayStation 4 games are Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's, like, slightly so, above 1%. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Do you think that Sony can keep this up in 2019? They've confirmed that they're working on a successor to the PS4. They're skipping E3. Do they lose this momentum? Mm, here's what I would say. I don't think they're going to lose momentum right now. Because crazy holiday season, crazy, what, it's almost five, six years now since the console's released. Almost around that time frame. So I don't think they're going to lose momentum right now. I think that... Possibly skipping E3 with the with the assumption that they are working on a successor could possibly stall out the momentum, although they'll probably hit 100 million by E3. I imagine that that's going to be the case. They're going to hit 100 million console sales. Spider-Man will probably hit like 12 million, some kind of weird, uh, crazy statistic. But I think skipping E3, fine. You want to say you're working on a successor, cool. No problems whatsoever on that. But... On the exclusive front, that's what's going to get me. And I said this last E3 when they showed off the main four, the core four games, the Ghost of Tsushima, the Last of Us Part Two. Just the fact that, A, you canceled the PlayStation experience back in December. That stalled you out maybe slightly, although there probably wasn't even a need to do it. But just the fact that you're talking about E3 not going into any kind of software is probably going to hurt it because... More than anything else, more than working on a new console, more than having this juggernaut of a console that you have right now, you still need games to support it no matter what. And while you can bank on third-party titles all the time, uh, especially with all the ones that are coming out in the next couple of months or so, you still need those exclusives to bank on. And there aren't many to talk about right now going into E3, uh, which is why I predicted during after E3 that it's and after they announced that they were pulling out for this year that Xbox has the chance to kind of side into that spot and possibly get some of their momentum back and get back to level with the PlayStation if necessary. 
So I think if anything, they're going to keep dominating until we realize where are their games and then who knows where that could go. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that the, that the, the conversation about the PS five is, uh, imminent on the part of Sony. I don't think that we're going to hear a blowout of information, this year personally i don't feel that way and so with that being the case i do kind of feel like between them skipping e3 um and i mean the exclusives that they have this year sound sound solid but we don't know what's going to happen with those i do think that 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 the table is set for uh microsoft to be able to kind of jump in there um we've talked on this show a lot about the goodwill that Microsoft has built up in the community because of all the great things that they've been doing. Um, the uh, controllers that they made for people who are uh, disabled and have trouble, you know, they, you know, they need different kinds of controllers. Uh, we've talked about some of the initiatives that they've done for games for um, games for the improvement of mental health and games for children and all that other stuff and some of the indie stuff that they've been doing. So I, I, I think that um, we're, we're, we're very much possibly coming into the year of the of the xbox that is crazy to me that xbox might have finally turned that disastrous launch around does it not seem that way though it does and like i've had an xbox for several years i love my xbox but like the fact that we're on the brink of like microsoft stepping back into the sun well, I mean, Sony me. pendulums very hard a lot of times, you know, with the, with their success. So, uh, as as well as they've been dominating, I could see it going, you know, not immediately, but with the next generation, I could see it going that much more on Microsoft's side, you know, because like I agree, man. I think that they are set up, you know, they've built everything they need to take the stage, and all they just need is for a chink in the armor of. Uh, <laughs> the titan that is sony right now and they can probably set themselves up amazing for especially the next generation if not even the tail end of this you know yeah yeah I, oh after you oh uh i was just gonna say that uh i think I, i'm on record feeling that uh, sony not doing e3 is is not awesome uh for the industry i'm not even sure that it's good for them but who it is good for is Microsoft because they're going to be able to dominate more of that conversation over the weekend uh, throughout that entire week, uh, especially if they if they if they have something killer to talk about, if they've got the next Xbox to talk about, if they've got some really great games or some really great initiatives, and Sony's quiet, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah, I. I'm looking forward to see what Phil Spencer pulls out at E3 this year, because I loved their E3 presentation last year, even though it was a lot of multi-plats. It was just games, 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 games. I thought that was really cool. And with with no Sony to steal that spotlight, it's going to be interesting. And we kind of saw yeah. this happen. We, we, we're kind of used to this kind of pendulum swing anyway, because if you think about what happened with the 360, the last generation, 360 was like, if you didn't own a 360, like what was going on? Or if you owned the PS3, you were looked at as like some weird guy was like, why are you on a PS3 of all systems? Like, why? And then you saw like, at, four, yes, that's, why, <laughs> that's it. 
And then if you look at the end of the life cycle of each of those consoles, you kind of saw PlayStation have like this crazy upswing, especially up to when The Last of Us came out and then the next generation started from there. So we're kind of going back into that right now with this generation, except now the roles are reversed. Um, also, something we haven't pointed out yet, another possible thing that could happen with this whole, uh, if we talk about the PS4 downswing, think about what that could do for Nintendo as well. Although they don't ever have a stage presence at E3, it would be interesting to see if they actually do that, even though they've been all about Nintendo Direct, Nintendo Direct, Nintendo Direct, um, and just doing video presentations that they can control. It would have shocked me if maybe they took the stage. I would like to see that, like bring back a stage presence uh, for Nintendo, especially if Sony's not going to do it. Do you think that that's something they would do? Um, knowing them, probably not, because I, I think if they rest, if they have a specific tradition that they keep up with, they're probably not going to change that. But again, it wouldn't shock me if they if, you know, this is the random year, you know, Sony's not coming out. Why not have the last of the big three take their spot? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Has Nintendo done a stage presentation since the uh, switch announcement two years ago? They have not done a stage presence, I think, since 20. I want to say 2015 was the or no, excuse me. 2013 was the last time they were ever on stage because I think right around the time of the Wii U they changed to a uh, video because I remember yeah, that whole they, thing they were like I don't want we don't want to do this anymore um, and then they stopped doing it for like five years now I think almost five years yeah they haven't been on stage in E3 in forever but yeah. I don't think they've been on stage at all in like like I remember when they announced the Switch was going to be called the Switch and it's like here's all these cool things we got they did that show from Japan where they had the the dev in charge of Splatoon come out in costume and talk about the research he was doing into squids, and that was the weirdest thing I ever saw. <laughs> I remember that now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, on the subject of, of uh, Nintendo, though, I, I will say I think that this year, everything great about 2018 for them, we're going to continue to see. I, I don't see any slowdown for them at all. Yeah, I think I think you're right on the money there. Uh, Nintendo just continues to pump out good titles, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for them. But moving on from the state of console publishers to the state of PC digital download storefronts, Epic Games snagged a big win for itself this week when they announced that uh, Ubisoft's The Division 2 is going to be an Epic Games storefront exclusive, sort of. Uh, it's going to be on Ubisoft's Uplay, which I don't know if anyone uses, but it won't <laughs> be on Steam. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Ubisoft said in a press release this week, we entrust Epic to deliver a smooth journey for our fans. From pre-ordering the game and enjoying our beta to the launch of Tom Clancy's The Division 2 on March 15th. Epic continues to disrupt the video game industry, and their third-party digital distribution model is the latest example and something Ubisoft wants to support. So, they've already had some indies and some timed exclusives, but this is like the first really big AAA Epic exclusive. Uh, And Steam announced this week that they're lowering, they're reducing their cut of digital sales. I don't know if it's going as far down as Epic's. But do you think that, like, with something like this, do you think Epic is in a position to really challenge Steam for that PC market? 
I, I don't think the Division Two is is the game that's going to do that. <laughs> I, I'm not, I was just going to say that, too. Yeah, I'm not like going to shit on the game. I, I haven't played it, clearly, but the first one was what it was, and I don't think the second one's going to be like the fire that like <laughs> that like that does this. I, I, you're going to have to have something much bigger than this and a lot more of these types of deals happening, you know? this It's like a good step to doing that, for sure, to like fight Steam, but like it's just the step right now. I see it that way. Um, I haven't heard anything about this as far as hype goes, so I might be one of the only people on the planet who even slightly cares, so. Also, yeah, Uplay, no one uses that. Not even me. And I have everything, and I don't use Uplay. I, I can't remember the last time I actually had to load Uplay up. So. I think that this is, this is Ubisoft dipping their toes into the water. Uh, I think that a lot of people, a lot of developers are very curious about what the Epic Game Store is really going to provide for them. And I think that they're giving they're giving the Epic Game Store an exclusive that is not, you know, it's not the biggest game on Earth or anything like that. It's not an Assassin's Creed or anything. But if it, you know, if it, if it works out, they might want to partner with them in this vein more often and that could be really great because ubisoft you know whether you like their games or not i personally don't care about them they make a lot of money a lot of people buy their games so that could be huge but again this is not this is not a killer app so yeah you know it's it's not as if people are clamoring for this game so much that they're gonna see this big return it really is one of those wait and see situations yeah, I think it would have meant more if they announced the uh, the Far Cry spinoff they got coming out in a month or two. Right. Um, here's what I would say about that. So, you mentioned Assassin's Creed being one of those possible franchises that would be very interesting if it launched on Epic. And to me, it, it just came, seems random that Epic kind of came out of nowhere and is establishing this big storefront that they're trying to go head-to-head with, like, Steam or you know places where you can buy games um, anywhere else. So I think if it wasn't for the fact that you have these like console games as well, um, like besides the fact that it also releases on consoles, I think it doesn't make a splash at all. Um, I think if it's a piece, if you have one of those like PC exclusive titles um, where they're saying no, Steam is not the our future, Epic Games is our future, then maybe. But I think that just the fact that you have a publisher like Ubisoft, who in the past has had bad press, and we've seen that with a, the Assassin's Creed franchise, and we've seen that with the burnout of possibly Far Cry being one of those examples as well. I think it's the developer, it's the storefront possibly backing the wrong developer and vice versa. And I think that the fact that Steam is so welcome because of Valve exclusive type games, um, the fact that multi-platforms are more supported on Steam with the friend support and everything else because of that large install base, it's almost like you're trying to have an indie developer fighting back against a AAA. Now, a lot of indie, indie games that come out that have done that, but I think we're not there yet. While Ubisoft is a good coup uh, for Epic Games, especially with The Division, again, it's the I think they're picking the wrong game, kind of like you mentioned. If it was, if they had done this with Assassin's Creed Odyssey back in October, maybe. Maybe I can see that point because of all the the great press that Odyssey got. Um, But the Division 2, 
might not have been the right game just because the Division One kind of fell flat um, at the end. Um, and there's a lot of like stigma about the division itself, even with the improvements that they're going to put into the Division Two. Yeah, it's a it's an unfortunate circumstance. Like I don't think it helps them by putting it on Epic Games Store. Like it's just the fact that it's on consoles. I don't actually of my friends nobody bought the division on the computer so um like just knowing that it's on the consoles like i don't see it you know being helpful that it's going to be on the epic game store like i really think that a different game would actually have helped it there's bigger ones that they have and also does epic does the epic storefront do they support mods as well because i know one of the big big things about steam is that they have like mod support for you know most games so i don't know if epic is supporting that either yeah, I haven't used it yet, but I haven't heard talk of that either. So that's that's something I totally didn't think about. Like the Steam Workshop is a very integral part of most of the experiences you're gonna have with games. I mean, just about every game, anything that's popular at least, will probably have workshop integration. And it's easy to just click a button and put a mod on. And like almost no other game service ever did that in my life until Steam came around, so that's that's an entirely different facet of it. <laughs> Like, I don't use mods a lot of the time, so I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if Epic has it, but I have to imagine they're working on something like it if they don't, because that, like Thompson said, it's such a big point of contention for a lot of PC gamers. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting story, I think. Uh I, but 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 quite frankly, I don't know that it's going to have the impact that anyone thinks it will. And quite frankly, I'm not even <laughs> sure that Ubisoft thinks it's going to have that much of an impact. I really think they're just they're they're doing this because it looks good to do. They threw them a bone, and it's a good thing to be aligned with Epic Games right now. It's it's a great thing to do. So, but 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 is it a big move? I don't believe so. Yeah, that's interesting. They could have just been like, hey, they want a partner. All right, give them the Division 2. You know, (laughs) it's like... Also, I'm kind of in for when eventually you see the Division 2 Fortnite integration. I know that's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, that's going to happen. I'm not going to play either of those games ever, but it'll make somebody happy out there, I'm sure. (laughs) I'll play them eventually when they're on sale after, you know, a year. (laughs) That's what I did with the first one, so... Same. All right, so in more unexpected news nintendo maybe instead of holding a direct this month just dropped a bunch of trailers on twitter the other day uh lots of people myself included were expecting nintendo to put out a january direct because there's been a january direct the past couple years and we haven't heard anything from the house that mario built until or since like november but instead of a direct we got a bunch of announcements right from nintendo of america's twitter so i'm gonna go through some of these and you guys let me know if you want to talk about them so first things first yoshi's crafted world got a full name a trailer and a release date uh it was previously just yoshi was announced for 2018 got delayed (laughs) a bunch comes out march 29th now and looks fucking adorable um, I don't know if any of you guys played Yoshi's Woolly World, but it's a, another game in that vein. Uh, all the Yoshis look made of felt, and it's probably going to be a nice, easy platforming game for kids. 
which is what Yoshi's Woolly World was. So, yeah, so that yep. just means Pete and I are going to play it. <laughs> okay. It, it, it looks, you know, it looks perfectly fine. Uh, not really the type of game that I'm uh, going to pick up, but uh, it looks it looks exactly how it should look, and it looks like it's fun for its target audience. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, Yoshi's Willy World, I know they had a lot of, like, that was one of, like, the easier platformers. But, again, different market. It's marketed for kids who are trying to get into the genre. So, I imagine Willy World, I mean, Crafted World, I should say, is probably going to do the same thing, different aesthetic. Might be a little bit of challenge for, you know, those who, of us who want to play, like, a traditional, like, Yoshi platformer. Um, it has the co-op. So, to you know, for kids, it's easy. It's one of those games where Taylor made for the Switch. I don't know if they depend on a control scheme. I didn't see it. Um, but if each person can have a Joy-Con oh, and play yeah. it, beautiful. Like, I love games like that when you can just two Joy-Cons, one game, good. Like, those I, are perfect for the Switch. I don't have a kid, but I imagine if I did, this would be, like, a day one pickup for me. Uh, so, moving right along, and to the delight of maybe only me, Nintendo's going to continue to support no, the 3DS no, in 2019 with a 3DS port of Kirby's Epic Yarn. Uh... Now it's Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn. It comes out on March 8th. It's going to feature new mini-games and game modes, as well as a devilish mode that might actually make the game challenging. Because, like Yoshi's Woolly <laughs> World, it was definitely a game for children when it came out on the Wii in 2010. But, I love Kirby. I will probably end up picking this game up. If it is even a little bit hard. But you're going to... Yes. You're going to pick it up on the 3DS. I'm going to spend money on a 3DS saying. title that's, in this, the year of psychotic. our Lord, 2019. Andy, you need to step out of that time capsule. <laughs> no. It's okay. I do have a you Switch, do have but a the Switch. 3DS still has a place, damn it. <laughs> it still exists. Somebody, I, there's always going to be that. Oh It'd be funny yeah, if you were the only person like, to buy it. playing my old Pokemon <laughs> games and stuff, you know? <laughs> And you are a trooper, Andy. I think that you might be one of the most like diehard 3DS people I've ever. Oh met. yeah, I, I'm a 3DS hardliner. I love that thing, and I don't think it gets the credit it deserves for being a great handheld. I think we gave it all the credit back in like 2016, 2017, when like big games like Smash and stuff like that came out and maybe to 2018 to an extent with Detective Pikachu which is probably like the last game like people really remember about the 3DS that came out before this one um so I think it's just time where like okay you know it's kind of like we're at it probably 2019 is gonna be the old yeller year for the 3DS maybe at worst next year yeah if if it still gets software in 2020 I'm gonna be fucking shocked but I'm happy. I'm happy that there's still life in the old boy. But back to consoles people care about. Not one, not two, but three Final Fantasy remasters launch on Switch this April. We got, on April 16th, we got Final Fantasy X slash ten two in HD. It's both those games in a port. Um, I never played ten two. But Don't. the opportunity to have, like, Blitzball on the go is really tempting. Andy, uh, I fell down that rabbit hole when I bought the PS4 remaster of Final Fantasy X and X2. I was like, hey, I beat X again. Let me play X2. I never beat it because I've tried ten times in my life already. And I got another hour in and I just can't do it. 
Oh Just no, it, is ten too bad? It's not <sighs> bad mechanically. <laughs> it's fun mechanically, but there is nothing else to it. <laughs> and I'm, and I I would play some of the worst games in the time, you know, and I still I can't do it. I've tried to play ten two like every couple of years in my life, but I can't do it. <laughs> I wanted ten two so badly. I did too. I loved 10. Yep. I was not ready to let go of those characters. Same. I bought 10 too. I played it for a, a couple hours and I was like, I can't do <laughs> this. Yeah, I actually was so turned off by it. Like, it's just something about it. And, I've, and I'm telling you, man, I've tried many times in my life to get through it. Now, I'm not a Final Fantasy player by any means, but is it something where is it because of, is it because you mentioned mechanically it's great. Is it the characters? Because I know. 10 had like Titus and Yuna, yeah, but is it yeah. the fact that it was a Yuna centered game that kind of made it like, uh, like, it's a little especially with her, her like J pop brethren <laughs> or something? It's a little bit of everything. Like, that J pop thing was just one of the like classes you can play as like a singer and stuff. So you, it's, it has like the job systems of old Final Fantasies, and you switch, and instead of having multiple party members, you have three that can just be whatever you want. So, like, it was cool for that. But, like, again, I've, I've never, some, like, the story just never got me in the beginning and somehow it got boring very quick and i was always excited to see more of the jobs and as soon as i would just get to that point i was like i i need a break or something from this and i never get back to it so it's just something incredibly off-putting about the whole game and i always looked at the system for fighting in it and i thought that looked really cool too bad i couldn't like really explore it you know i know, I know this isn't the final fantasy 10 2 podcast but i just <laughs> i gotta say this um Final Fantasy X, as much as like as much as I wanted more as a kid, I can recognize now as an adult that we actually didn't need more, <laughs> and that the story that they told was told, and that's all that there needed to be. And Ten Two was very much unnecessary, and it shows in every element of the game because they they didn't bring back all the characters because there was no reason to bring back all the characters, you know. Um, Titus was gone. Uh, Aaron's story had been told. So many of the characters had moved on or their stories were told. And I was like, okay, well, we can't use those. So let's just use these three women that everyone loved. And let's try to cash in on that. And the will we or will we not bring Titus back? And that wasn't enough. So um, cool that they're bringing these games back, I guess, for those who maybe want to suffer. <laughs> um, or at least this particular game. But uh, is it necessary? No. Is it is it enough to put you off? I don't know if you you know want that Final Fantasy X remaster with the HD, the remastered audio, whatever. Like, is the fact that Ten Two's there enough to put you off from paying for the Ten remaster? No, because I did that with the PS4 version. Okay, and I was just like, I'll just ignore the half that is there. I want to play Ten. I don't want to play Ten Two, so I got it for Ten. And I don't yeah, it. it doesn't it, it it doesn't turn me off by any means, but uh, I wouldn't buy a ten remaster anyway, probably because I got everything I needed to get out of that game when I was okay. twelve. It was fun to go back and just stomp it, knowing everything <laughs> was going to happen, and like that was fun, just being an ass and like all these fights. I was like, oh, okay, I know all the gimmicks, so let me just blow through this. <laughs> Alright, so if you pick that up on April 16th, you have two weeks to finish it before the Final Fantasy XII remaster launches on April 30th. And 
Was 12 the online one? No, 11 and 14 were the online ones. Okay. <laughs> um, I never played 12, but apparently it's going to have the the Zodiac Age version that launches on the Switch in April. Uh, we'll have a revamped job system, reconstructed battle design, autosave functionality, as well as various visual and sound improvements over the original. So, Final Fantasy XII is one of the only Final Fantasies I've never touched, and I'm, like, seriously considering it, because I've heard it's weird but good. Uh, yeah, I never played twelve either. Now that I'm looking at screens of it, I thought I did, but no, I've never touched this. And it honestly, like, looking at, like, the color schemes and, like, the way the battle system looks, it, it slightly reminds me of ten a little bit, and I'm I'm into this, so... This is a very big possibility. I might get this. <laughs> Uh, Sean, Ed, any thoughts? Nah, I to be to be honest, man, I stopped with Final Fantasy after ten. I bought the whatever number one it was with Lightning. I oh, can't God. even remember what that one. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. <clears throat> and man. I, Mm-mm. I wanted so so badly to love it, and I just didn't. And now I th- I think I realized after that that. Uh, Final Fantasy for me really was just 10 was a story I needed at the time because of the, you know, it really fits that angsty sort of like, uh, you know, teenager uh, element. But other than that, it's not, it doesn't have anything for me, or at least the new ones don't. And so I, I don't care about any Final Fantasy after 10. That's fair. I'm not, yeah, same. Like, it's not something that I would probably pick up, although I'm still find it hilarious that when they originally announced that they were going to bring out all these final fantasy games wasn't it the one like i know when they first announced it they announced seven eight and ten didn't they skip over nine am i or am i wrong about i that? think they did yeah i'm pretty sure they did and nine is like incredibly beloved game so yeah i thought that was super weird that's weird yeah square enix being hilarious right there yeah i don't know traditionally it always felt like nine never got any love I don't know if that's just a weird perception, but I always felt like they just kind of shoved it under the rug almost. <laughs> but in other games from Japan that I've never played, uh, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen launches on the Switch April 23rd. Um, it's a 2012 action RPG by Capcom, Then I know next to nothing about it, but I know lots of people love it. So it's cool that it's coming to Switch. Thompson, have you ever played it? It seems like the kind of thing you might have dabbled in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've definitely played Dragon's Dogma games. Um, yeah, they're fun. I, I never beat that one because I, I borrowed it, and I did not borrow it very long. But, you know, me with games, if I put my nose to it, yeah. I can grind through very quickly. So I, pr- I don't know how far I got. I just know that I played that shit, like, nonstop when I had it for, like, the three days I had it. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um just the the series in general like just yeah. it's just a game that like i always forget exists kind of yeah but they're really uh, they fun though. a ton of collector's editions for this game in japan but not in the west so we'll see if any of those cool versions with the fancy art book or the soundtrack cd launch over here um if not the game's still going to be on switch and that's pretty cool uh, and then last but not least there was also a new trailer for no more heroes travis strikes again which somehow launches this week. Yeah, I just like I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that came that out of game nowhere. Existed. Um, 
It looks so weird. It will probably be good. Um, because Suda51 tends to make good games. But man, this game is going under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the sort of downsides, I guess, from having so many hit games is that, you know, people are still talking about Smash. You know, that came out already in December. People are talking about, I mean, people, some people are talking about Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. So um, there's just so much going on that games easily get lost in the shuffle. And, you know, this is obviously one of those. Yeah, and I think, like, the middle of January is kind of a weird release time, too. Just because it's right after Christmas, and it's going to be launching up against Kingdom Hearts. Which, holy shit, Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, like, within two weeks (laughs) of this recording. And that's crazy to think about, because... Anything coming, like, within a month of Kingdom Hearts, uh, forward or back, is just going to die. <laughs> because that game is going to be the mind space after it comes out. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm picking up Resident Evil 2 Remake, so, I mean, there's that. Oh, so, that, I mean, that's going to be great. Like, I'm calling right now. I forgot about, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, and I forgot about Resident Evil 2. One although, it's most... funny... Ugh. It's funny you mentioned the month after Kingdom Hearts because everybody's going to be playing it. One of the games that comes out in a month, Anthem. Oh, yeah, that's dead. <laughs> that's well, dead. dead either way, but that's super dead now. Mm-hmm. Where, are you at, where are you at with Anthem, Ed? Because on this podcast, we tend to believe that Anthem is a dead game. Anthem is absolutely a dead game. I'm calling it. I've called it the moment I saw it. Like, I had no problems looking at, like, hearing about the announcement and everything else. I was like, okay, you know. We'll see what happens. It could be interesting. Then I saw the actual gameplay um, that their EA was putting out there, and I was just like, "Nope, this is dead." <laughs> like, I don't need. I don't need. I didn't need to see uh, Iron Man mixed with Destiny, mixed with like Borderlands numbers all over the place. Like, if I'm gonna, if I want those three things, I want those three things separately, not together. And there's just not a lot for me to sink my teeth into with Anthem. Period. Like, people are telling me, oh, no, you know, you got to give it a shot. Play the demo. I don't even want to do that. Like, I'm not interested <laughs> at all. Like, I've played Destiny pieces here and there. I've played Monster Hunter World pieces here and there. I don't need those two experiences combined. And it just looks rehashed, done by a company that I still don't trust. Wow. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's pretty hard. Rant over. well we're all aligned we think the game is dead on arrival so oh for sure but anthem being dead on arrival notwithstanding what do you guys think of uh nintendo doing a twitter bomb instead of a direct would you have preferred they do a real thing and just like air all these trailers like stitched together Mm. it's hard to say only because the, the information is the same. I'm just not privy to the Twitter side of it as much. So, like, I didn't catch this when it first came out. If it was a direct, I would have known right away and I would have, you know, seen it. So if they want to, you know, not put it together through a direct and, like, stitch it together, that's their prerogative. So it's just a matter of, like, the way I got this information. Like, obviously, we're doing the show and I got it this way. That's great. Um, if I wasn't, I probably would have missed this. Like, almost all of these. So that's that's the only downside I see to it. I think when Ninten- <clears throat> the good thing about Nintendo is that they can do whatever they want 
and get away with it. And <laughs> as long as it's sure. as long as this stuff, <laughs> that's true. Uh, that withstanding, as long as it's information that we want to know about or possibly could have interest in, I have no problem with how they do it. I think maybe they wouldn't have had enough of this information to span the Nintendo Direct that maybe would have lasted 10 minutes. So I kind of get why they did it this way because there was no mind blowing first, like mind blowing first party items besides um, the Kirby's Epic Yarn and the Yoshi's Crafted World. There wasn't a lot of mind blowing like first party games there to show off outside of like whatever they decide to do for the Smash character pack whenever they're going to start revealing those items. Um, so I kind of understand why they went the Twitter route instead of the uh, full on Nintendo Direct route this time. Next time completely different story you have to have something first party come out and then you'll have a nintendo direct but if it's just small third party items it's fine yeah I, I think i'm with you on this one ed it wasn't you know mind-blowing but none of these like announcements were would have stood up as like the keynote announcement in a direct and i think if you're not ready to put a release date on fire emblem or animal crossing or to show us more metroid then this was a fine alternative to having a real direct that's going to disappoint people. I don't know about how other people consume this stuff, but uh, I often catch the directs after the fact, so it makes no difference at all to me, whether it's through Twitter or through Facebook or, you know, <laughs> MySpace. I, I don't care. You know, it's event eventually it's going to land... Uh, on YouTube, and that's where I'm going to watch it. You know, whether it's you know all in one piece or spaced out, it's you know I don't I don't know that it matters as much. Um, but to be fair, when you when you say hey a direct is coming, that does create a bit of a buzz that they can utilize. So that's the only reason I think it might matter. But other than that, especially if it's something this small, do we need a direct for this? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I I fully agree. But if you guys out there feel differently, you want to let us know, uh, again, you can email us at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. As we move on to a nice story about Sean's second job slash profession, World of Warcraft this week added a nice little tribute to late Marvel Comics writer Stan Lee. Alliance players in Stormwind Keep may notice a guy named Stan Lee walking around the castle. He's got the hair, he's got the mustache, he's got the glasses... <laughs> And occasionally will greet you by saying Excelsior. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Uh, I like that they did that. They often do things like this. Uh, WoW WoW has several uh, characters in it that are um, tributes to you know uh, people who have who have passed, whether they worked for Blizzard or uh, famous people. I, 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 um, Oh God, Robin Williams is in the game, um, so there's they do they do this regularly, so it's not a big surprise. But I do love the fact that yeah. they do it. It's cool. Um, data miners have found two other Stan Lee models in the game. One of them is Stan Lee in Horde gear, but nobody's found where St Horde Stan Lee is. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean, you got to be the guy. You got to find Stan Lee in a Horde keep. That's not possible because I don't play Horde and I will not ever play Horde. So do it for uh, Stan. I can't Sean. find him. So <laughs> no, you can just be like a like a deep seated infiltrator from the Alliance. You just have to garner all of their respect and just get inside their keeps. 
just to find Sneak it. Sneak in I could, and sabotage Horde I, I could make a rogue and stealth around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah. Pass. <laughs> you don't want to be the snake of the Alliance and get in there and, and find Metal Gear and, and the... the <laughs> all those... <laughs> Can't do it. But, I again, love the fact that they do this. This is very, very cool. All right, so we got one more news item today. It's going to take us into our meat and our potatoes, and it's a long one, so take a walk with me. Bungie announced in a blog post titled Our Destiny this week that they're separating from the publisher Activision and managing to take the Destiny IP with them. So I'm going to read some of that blog post uh, as groundwork here. This comes from Bungie. When we first launched our partnership with Activision in 2010, the gaming industry was in a pretty different place. As an independent studio setting out to build a brand new experience, we wanted a partner willing to take a big leap of faith with us. We had a vision for Destiny that we believed in, but to launch a game of that magnitude, we needed the support of an existing publishing partner. With Activision, we created something special, and then they talk about the community a little bit, and then they go down to looking ahead, we're excited to announce rights uh, plans for Activision to transfer publishing rights for Destiny to Bungie. With our remarkable Destiny community, we are ready to publish on our own, while Activision will increase the focus on owned IP projects. Uh, according to Kotaku's Jason Schreier, when Bungie employees found out about this, they cheered and popped champagne, because tensions between Bungie and huh. Activision have been running high for a long time because of the annualized schedule Activision had been pushing, which mandated the release of a new Destiny game or expansion every fall. Now separated from Activision, Bungie will no longer be constrained to that schedule. Uh, We'll continue to deliver on the existing Destiny roadmap, and we're looking forward to releasing more seasonal experiences in the coming months, as well as surprising our community with some exciting announcements with what lies beyond, is how they put it in the blog post. So, that was a mouthful, but I have two questions here. The first one's the meat, the other one's the potatoes. Uh, Jason Trier thinks that moving off Activision's roadmap will allow Bungie to transition Destiny into a single SKU that's updated regularly, turn it into something like WoW that stays as a static product forever that they keep updating, rather than pump out a Destiny 3 and a full-price expansion for Destiny 3 every fall. Do you guys think that's a good move? Yes, yes, and yes. This this whole story, first yeah. of all, it's crazy. And there's so much to get into uh, about this. But I'll start with your, your first question. Um, I think this is fantastic because one of the problems that I, that I feel with, with the gaming industry is this obsession with mm-hmm. annual releases. And it's it's crap when you're talking about you know uh, I mean it makes it makes a, a modicum of sense when you're talking about like a sports game even though it's still annoying but when you're talking about shooters and, and things like that you really don't need an annual release for that but where it's really really unbelievable is when you're talking about a game that's supposed to be an open world massively multiplayer online game <clears throat> like a Destiny where you're either releasing an, a brand new game or an expansion on that game every single year at full price. That is yep. gouging. That, and you don't even get the opportunity to really settle in with the game that you're playing. Granted, you know, gamers want updates. They want, you know, they want new content. You can do that. 
that's the beauty of living in this age and having games like this. You don't need Warcraft pumps out um, uh, uh, additional content outside of their expansion releases. So you can do that without needing to, you know, charge another sixty dollars yeah. for what often is not a is not a justifiable experience. Yeah, no, Bungie two or not Bungie two, Destiny two. I've only played the base game, and it's like really short and kind of a bare bones experience, and that loans for sixty bucks. And right. if I hadn't gotten it for free when they made it free, I would have been very annoyed that I spent money on it. Um, I think that I would. I loved playing Destiny. It's a, a very fun game with like a good gameplay loop, and I would gladly pay like ten bucks a month for a subscription to Destiny that like just gave me the content as they pumped it out, rather than here drop sixty bucks for half of a finished game because Activision made us pump out a new game rather than build on the groundwork we already made. Right. I think also the good thing about Destiny kind of t- um, kind of being able to split away from Activision is also depending on what they decide to do, whether it be actually doing either a single skew going forward where it's just Destiny, whatever it may, may be, like if they merge both Destiny 1 and 2 in the future or if they make a Destiny 3 possibly, the, the entry bar is going to be set so low in a good way, meaning that like those who want to get into destiny itself um, don't have to have the monicum of expansions and all the other additional content that have to go along with it to just get into the core experience so i think this is perfect for that because i know with wow although they expand so much the, the entry the actual entry level bar is perfect to get into for anybody who wants to, to play it so i think with destiny being able to go on their own um, depending on what they decide to do next now after the, the split um, it kind of helps those gamers who were intimidated by having to go into a game with the expansion packs in order to actually have a full experience. Now they don't have to worry about that. And I think it's perfect um, in that regard. Now, it depends on what they... Now, you mentioned a subscription fee. Like, wow, I don't know if Destiny is ready for that yet. We'll see. Um, just because we don't know what the next plans are after they're finished this roadmap for Destiny 2. We don't know what's next. So do they want to go that route? Do they want to make one game that's regularly updated? And then whenever they feel like making something huge to add on to that, kind of like what WoW does with like Miss of Pandaria and all the other expansion packs that they've done over the years, then maybe I can see them go in that direction. Uh, But we're not ready to take that next step yet. At the very least, now gamers who want to get into Destiny that couldn't now have a chance to. Yeah, I I think for <clears throat> personally, like I did get Destiny two for free on the PlayStation, and like my friends have been like up my ass about playing that game because they some of them play it and they really wanted me in, but like I am not going to drop all that money for those expansions, you know? Like it it was nuts to look at when I when I was standing away from the whole package and being like, well, if I want to play with them, I have to get the the base game plus everything else, and then like who knows if I even get there late to the party, maybe. I'll buy everything and then two months later a new one's coming out because I timed it wrong, you know? And to have to, like, catch up on that every time, it felt daunting. So I just kind of stayed away from it, you know? And then I also agree with Andy. Like, I played it on the PlayStation 4 and I felt like, wow, like, I'm really glad this was a free game. Because, like, I, for what it was worth, like, I, I didn't, 
see the the value of it like and i i love that type of game too like i love that loop and it i don't know it didn't feel like there was enough there for me it's 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 crazy that like for the first three hours i played that game i just sat behind a wall shooting into bullet sponges of the same unit you know and it's like all right yeah. like a little variety would have helped <laughs> yeah i oof but more broadly than just destiny because i know like nobody here really plays it do you think that bungie like being able to leave with their ip is going to set a trend because this isn't the norm in video games when bungie left microsoft 10 years ago they left halo with microsoft Mm -hmm. when but or when hideo kojima left konami he left metal gear solid and metal gear solid is hideo kojima and do you think that more devs that if they leave a publisher will be able to sort of take their ball and go home and do you think that's a good thing um here's a comparison that i can make with that Think of all the IPs that THQ Nordic has been buying. Like at the end of last year, they bought a lot of like IPs from EA Games and from Free Radical. Like you saw Time Splitters get bought out. THQ now owns that. Um, I think Second Sight was another one. They just acquired the uh, Kingdoms of MLR Reckoning license um, from EA and I think 3.8 Studios or whatever that was going on with that bankruptcy. So this could be the start of something where you start to see these publishers or these or now developers in a case kind of take what they've worked on so hard and go elsewhere. Um, it isn't the norm. You're correct. Um, publishers kind of own the IP because it's like, well, we put out the product for you. We have a say in it. And I think act, maybe this is a situation where kind of like Activision has so many IPs. Maybe they wanted to kind of let this one go because I guess they saw well, the money wall's running dry, so we might as well give it up. Maybe that's the only reason they did it. Um, but we don't know that yet, of course. But I could see other publisher, other developers saying, hey, listen, we worked on this for so long. You were just a vessel for us to kind of put the game out. Um, you know, we want to take it and go elsewhere. Especially considering that we're in an age where putting games up on a storefront is so easy to do. Look at all the indie games that have been able to do it. Um, I think AAA might be starting to catch on. Yeah, I think you might be right about that. And I I think that might be pretty cool. It's promising, to say the least. Like, because it even happened this one time, it it, it really is, like like you said, it's, it's just not the norm. So just even happening once like this... Um, for whatever reason, money or contract rights, I'm, I'm glad they got it. I feel like if they popped champagne, you know, because of this, that they they were clearly under some kind of pressure and stress that, like, you know, it was reflecting into the game, at least. Because um, I, I know there's, like, everything about this game has had uh, negative press in the last, like, year, it feels like. Every time that there's anything about Destiny, it's never, like, positive, you know? And I... I I don't know how much of that was, you know, Bungie and how much it was Activision, but if they're popping champagne, we can take a guess and say it was it was a good <laughs> chunk of Activision. So, um, you know, that's always good. Like I could I could imagine a world where you know Kojima got to leave with Metal Gear. That would have been awesome, you know. So yeah, it's it's definitely good. I mean, if developers could do this, um, then like if they have the means to create outside of that current deal and and take what they've made with them, that's incredible. I just don't know how many people have a contract that are available to do that. I feel like when they get into these situations, it's relatively like 
the the norm that you know it's airtight like pretty much you do this we publish it and we pretty much own at least that much of it so you you'll like very rarely see this happen but if if you know we go back to something like epic it's like they're definitely friendly with this whole you know storefront everything and they would kill to have people come over i think i think they you know people like them and like thq goes around buying stuff too there there's developers and publishers out there that need a home and i think that there is a very good relationship for things like this so this i mean hopefully this could spark something in somebody you know get an idea like hey you know maybe maybe we don't have to hold on to this one thing you know and let's see what, what we can get i mean just having like the creative freedom to do what they want with Destiny is probably just going to revitalize the game. I, I, you know, I don't think that they've made a bad game, but I think that they wanted to always put more into it, um, more polish and stuff. And that's like from what I'd experienced and from what I've heard people say about it. I don't think it's too far fetched to think that if they're behind the reins, that they could do something really great with it. So when I first read this. I immediately thought about Blizzard because we have talked about the mess and the the bull that's going on at Blizzard right now yeah. as a result of Activision. They killed HOTS. Well, they killed the competitive element of HOTS, which has severely damaged the player base over there. We know about the Diablo fiasco. And listen, in light of everything that we've learned about Activision over the last couple of months it is not hard for me to think that the diablo immortal deal is an activision uh uh you know it, issue. it practically screams yeah. it you know yeah like they're right. the ones who created this whole thing exactly they've told blizzard they need to cut costs they've told them they need to release more games uh what world are they living in that that's the way that blizzard should operate so if if Activision is is causing a developer to pop champagne when they leave them, when they get out of their clutches, and you're talking about Bungie, how does Blizzard feel in this whole thing? What is their place in this? Is there a way for them to get out? Because I don't know all the inner workings, obviously. Don't work there. Don't know anybody who works there. Don't know anything. But it seems to me like there's something toxic about the way that Activision is running their business that is affecting these developers that they have under them. And Blizzard is one of them. It's worse for Blizzard because it's the company Activision Blizzard, you know? And they're, like, partly consumed by the amorphous blob that is Activision now. And, like, they're probably too far in to, like, really get out fully, you know? If that was the case. Yeah, yeah, it's like a 50-50 ownership or something like that of the entire company so that it puts them in a situation where they can't really get out of it without causing a big ass legal shitstorm unlike a like a third party publisher that they kind of owned where it's just kind of like well you know okay fine you know we have other stables we have like the infinity awards the Treyarchs, the sledgehammer games that do like the military shooters with call of duty so having bungie drop off is a drop in the bucket because we have everything else so for but for, you're right for blizzard it's just a so a wholly different animal um, just because of what they've done with Diablo, what they've done with Heroes of the Storm, what could be done with some of the other IP um, that are coming down the pipeline. It's weird, though, because, yeah. you, you, like you said, it's a 50-50, but we see Blizzard's not calling the shots at Activision, you know? Like, 
like from what we're assuming like the diablo thing and everything is activision's doing you know and yeah and it's not like yeah it's a 50 50 company but it's like they're getting pushed around either way so how fair is that you know yeah i when i read this my like sean my first thought was blizzard and i thought oh maybe this will be a wake-up call for activision to like when everybody in the world is looking at this story it's like oh getting away from activision's a great thing maybe activision should stop meddling it, it's also interesting that like we hadn't you know like ea is always the, the worst company every year and it's like somehow activision's stealing that mindset you know like through things like this where like we may not have like the actual words about like oh activision's the worst company but when you hear stories like this you mentally are like yeah that's really bad and like you forget about ea sometimes and like they don't always deserve all the criticism just saying that like that's that's the go-to you know ea is like the the one that people will shit on just because it's ea so uh it's hard to do that to take that away from somebody else and activision's like pushing for that it feels like yeah what i'm kind of glad i noticed and i was just looking this up just for just for a quick uh check um there's one blizzard title that i'm glad isn't affected by everything that's going on with activision because it is you know self-published and self-developed by blizzard and that's overwatch imagine if overwatch was an activision blizzard game who knows what could be going on with right now and what we could be thinking after like, let's say they messed up Overwatch in the end and try to put an expansion on it, and then everything with Bungie happened. Yeah. We could be having a whole kind of different conversation right now. Well, yeah, and, and to that point, uh, if they're being pressured to make more games, what if Overwatch 2 comes out? You know, that to me seems like a bad business decision. But it's also their biggest moneymaker, right? So... Um, they might try to milk that more. There are a lot of ways that they can that this can go that that to me are not positive simply because of the way that Blizzard operates. We've talked about that you know a lot over the last few months, so I won't beat that drum too harshly. But what I will say is that I think that this story, this Bungie story, is something that is going to play into the relationship between Activision and Blizzard going forward. I think it informs the conversation that we've been having to say the least. I think this is going to be an interesting one to monitor as it goes forward, for sure. Um, I really wish Bungie the best of luck with Destiny. Uh, it's, a, it's a very fun game that has a, a handful of dumb decisions holding it back. Hopefully those were Activision's dumb decisions and not Bungie's. And that's, a, that's a good point. You never know where that line really is drawn. Yeah. Um, but if it if Destiny like keeps its good gameplay loop and gets a business model that is more accessible to me, I could see me putting a lot more time into Destiny. Uh, Bungie for all of for all of the problems with Destiny's like everything, Bungie knows how to make a sci-fi shooter. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely have catered to to make a really awesome experience. And, yeah. like, it's funny, when we were just talking about Anthem earlier, and it's, like, it's sci-fi, but, like, any Destiny, you know, when you, when you look at it, it's, like, yeah. some, it doesn't have that feel. Like, the, like the, the Destiny experience, it's it's a very, you know, it, it just hits every sci-fi experience you need, you know? I, this is gonna be, like, a little weird, but honestly, Destiny feels more like the classic Halo to me than older Halo games do. 
or sorry, more like the classic Halo than the new Halo games that Bungie oh, weren't making. Oh, okay, then yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah I totally I, okay, yeah. I messed up. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, honestly, like part of the reason I actually enjoyed what I did uh, with Destiny is just because I felt like I was back with Halo Three or something. You know, like like even even Reach to a certain point. You know, I yeah loved Reach. So Reach was such a good game. <laughs> That reminds me, I need to go back and play Halo Wars 2 now. Oh, God. It's yeah, I need really to go fun. back and play that. Yeah, I can't believe you play that. No one else plays RTSs. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Halo, no, I, I, dude, when I had a 360, Halo Wars was like my jam. I yeah, loved that game. Great. That game was so much fun. I played the demo for Wars 2, and I was like, okay, yep, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Perfect. Done. Let's do it. You, we'll jump on it. It's good. It's, yeah, we'll, if, yeah. You like we'll the first it. one. You'll like the second one. Then I'll go through the campaign. We'll plan something out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, uh, you guys have any final thoughts on this one before we wrap it up? Something to pay attention to for the new year, 100%, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's going to be a no- – these kind of things will be usually happen with trends. So I wonder what the next shoe to fall is. It won't be big. Like it won't be somebody breaking away from like a Sony or a Microsoft, especially considering Microsoft has all these developers under their um, tree like – ninja theory and compulsion games and stuff like that like they had they they talked about buying a bunch of franchise like a bunch of developers last year during e3 so who knows what this year could bring it could be a complete surprise we don't know yet god could you imagine if microsoft gets bungie back and it's just like we're putting bungie back on halo boys oh my god (laughs) stop that is that is just too unrealistic (laughs) yeah i can't imagine bungie would want to do that no, nope, they're like, gonna want to. They, they're gonna do like the this yeah. like the stay away vampire. We're <laughs> not gonna do this. But you gotta imagine that Microsoft's at least making the phone call, right? Mm, I mean, I, you think know, about, not when they burn three four three studios. That's... No, we're good. Bungie's <laughs> like, yeah. no, I don't want to be that again. We're good. Yeah, there's always that like little tidbit that's like I would like, don't get me wrong, I'd love to see another Halo come out of them, but like it ain't gonna happen. And also three four three exists, and like. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of problems in between like them ever getting to that stage to make it again. And depending on what happened with Halo Infinite, oh god, we don't know. Just because they've been quiet since la- since the reveal trailer. I'm holding out hope that game's gonna be good. Well, but, you you have an Xbox to play it on, so there you go. <laughs> hey man, all the Microsoft you know first parties are play anywhere now so you can play it on your pc too that's true except i wouldn't be able to play it with you andy well, we could play online split screen it wouldn't be the same but it, no, would work. it wouldn't be the same <laughs> it... all right so i think that's gonna wrap it up for the video game pals wow 89 we've been doing this a while yeah, really um so that's gonna be it for us if you have any thoughts on this Bungie Activision split on anything we talked about today. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, our email address again is the video game pals at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on social media, you can check our sister show, the comics pals at the comics pals, wherever your social media is sold. And uh, Ed, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you on the internet? Oh yeah, absolutely. So my personal is Eddie road dog. You can follow me. I usually have convention pictures that go up anytime I go out to different conventions. And of course at the party nerds, um, on Instagram and then just party nerds everywhere else. Um, we always have our podcasts online. Um, 6:45. Uh, we are currently recording out of SFX Studios. 
Um, so definitely check us out. We always go live on Instagram, and then we have our podcast on SoundCloud. And just for the kids at home, that's Party Nerds with a Z, correct? With a Z, because we're so radical. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Shawnee? Where can the kids at home find you? Awesome. So if you want to hear more from me, I am on the Comics Pals, which posts the day before this show does. This week, we reviewed Deadly Class, the new show uh, debuting on Sci-Fi January 16th. We uh, are very excited about it because it is a show based on a comic book, and it's a show that includes everything that the people love from 16-year-old angsty kids to 30 year old burnouts it's got everything you could possibly love uh so you're gonna want to check that show out and uh, of course you're gonna want to check out the comics pals because it's a great show uh and then if you want more from me on social media i am at sean soapbox on twitter and instagram how about you t-dog i'm at relic vampire on twitter and just about every other game i play so if you ever see that name in a game you know you can trash talk me <laughs> um i do pals play with pete and pete's not here so i'll plug that too it's a thing we do we play games it's for the video game pals it's on the video game pals on youtube and that's that's my other show with pete good job pete <laughs> and you can find me on twitter at tiger underscore millions happy to discuss any of the stuff we talked about today, any of the stuff you want to talk about in video games, or like comic books and movies, um, I'll probably point you to someone more experienced than me, but I'll give you my thoughts if you really want them. And Pete's not here today, but I know he'd really appreciate it if you check him out at loud underscore Pete, or on lootpots.com, where he hosts another Nintendo podcast, or on the Comics Pals, if you're really missing Pete, uh from this show he is on that oh he's definitely not on this week's episode he's not on this week's but you can listen to the backlogs if you really need to get your fill of pete yeah that's a heavy obsession i gotta say (laughs) that's a phrase i never thought i would hear get your fill of pete yep no i'm good (laughs) yeah i could have gone without hearing that ever in life no thank you that's going to be the title of this episode. Uh, that's our topic of the show. Is <laughs> getting our Philippine. The phrase, your Philippine. That's such a misleading meat and potatoes. I think people would turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. That does it for us here on the Video Game Pals. Bye. Peace out, y'all.